So good to just be here in the the presence of the Lord together here with you. And uh, today is a significant day. So I'm um, on team at Open Doors, and and at Open Doors we serve Christians under persecution. We help people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. And today happens to be the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And so today we join with at least 110 churches across New Zealand, praying for the persecuted church, at least 200 across Australia, and then across the rest of the world as well. And for those here in the room this morning, um, you'll see these prayer cards, which we'll have a look at at the end. There's um, eight different prayer cards. This one is Egypt, and they're all different countries with a different story, different prayer points, and a different focus on each one. And so we've got Egypt, Afghanistan, North Korea, Nigeria, Iraq, India, China, Mexico, Uh, And these are just a few of the countries that we um, are going to be praying for just across our nation and across Australia as well. And the, the thing that I love about praying for the same thing at the same time is the power of corporate prayer together. And so even from this place, we are connected as a wider body, as a wider family. And so uh, at the end, we're going to take these cards and we will pray together, um, which will be cool. And so I've got the Egypt one. And, uh, and actually, uh, not long ago, I arrived back from Egypt, having spent 11 days with the Open Doors team in Egypt. And the point of the trip uh, was to meet persecuted believers, was to meet believers, Christians who have stories of getting through obstacles and challenges, and really to to hear their stories, to bring them back to us in New Zealand, to pray with them, and it was an amazing opportunity. So, So the theme of what I'm sharing today is around Egypt, and so... um, I don't know if anyone else, has anyone else been to Egypt before? Yes, we have at least one. Awesome. Just, uh, just an, amazing, an amazing place. Um, it was amazing meeting believers who were extending the kingdom of God in one of the most difficult regions of the world. And... It was an impacting time meeting believers who endure such opposition and such difficulty. In fact, the day before we landed in Cairo, an electrical fire swept through a church in Cairo, killing 41 people in the church service. At least 15 of them were, were kids. And the, um, the report immediately came out saying that it was uh, an accident, it was just some faulty wiring in the church. But the man who was sharing this with us, he said, well, actually, there's been two other electrical fires recently in two other churches. And he said, well, he feels like it was premeditated and planned and carried out by extremists. And so just the day before we landed, 41 killed in in that church. And imagine 41 lives being lost from even here, being in our church family. You know, we come to church in this this safety, which is amazing. But uh, in a place like Egypt, um, you could be killed for your faith. The man that we were uh, speaking with, in fact, we were in a hotel room and we had to go in in ones and twos over a period of about 15 minutes uh, so as not to draw attention to ourselves going to, to meet this man. And he said, in fact, over the last 10 years, 
there has been 2,000 Christians who have lost their life for the sake of the gospel, 2,000 Egyptian martyrs over the last 10 years, and 70 churches have been set ablaze over that time. And so it's just such a, a hostile environment. But the Egyptian church is certainly not the underground church. It's not a secret church. It's a church that is above ground and they hold their, their faith high. And in fact, you can tell um, quite often what faith you're a part of just by the clothes that you wear. And so the Christians um, are so, um, I would say, overcoming and victorious. And, and that was the theme that I came back with from my time in Egypt, that the Egyptian church is a victorious church. And so that's kind of the, the title of my message today, the victorious church. And so I want to share with you John 16, 33, and it says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so, you know, in the world, well, we will have seasons of blessing and of harvest and of reaping, but at the same time, we can expect seasons of trial and persecution and challenge, but take heart because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And because Jesus has overcome the world, it means that we too can overcome the world. And that is the, the promise that he gives to us. I want to introduce you to some other believers in uh, Egypt who, uh, when I hear their stories, um, it just reminds me that Jesus has overcome the world and these ones live uh, like they're living in the victory of Jesus Christ. And so we started off in Cairo and then travelled uh, along the Nile River. I was going to say down the Nile River. We travelled uh, south uh, along the Nile River, which happens to be going towards Upper Egypt um, because the south is higher than um, the, the Lower Egypt in the north. And so it's travelling upriver, uh, going south. And we ended up uh, getting to um, a town called Asyut, or an area that's 360 kilometres south of Cairo. And, and actually, if you have a um, look at a satellite view of Egypt, it's quite amazing that most of it's in desert, but then there's this blue strip, which is the River Nile, and then either side is a green strip, which is the irrigated area, and, um, but the rest of it is in, um, in desert. But we got to a suit and met a gathering of believers there. One of the last to speak was Nina. Now, Nina, uh, she travels by herself uh, into one of the most dangerous places in Egypt for the gospel. Uh, in a suit, there is a lot of black magic. There's a lot of mental problems. Um, parents uh, use their children in, uh, in rituals and, and abuse their kids in, in various ways. And uh, she said, well, the week before we uh, arrived uh, in a suit, she said that there were 6,000 extremists who came to attack Christians in the area. Uh, the police also arrived and that there was a shootout. The, the kids um, were in school and they had to hide under their desks. Uh, some were shot, some were killed. And, uh, and the kids couldn't even go back uh, home that day. They had to stay under the desks and in their classrooms the entire night and they couldn't go back till the, the next day. 
In fact, Nina says that even when she goes into those places, if she doesn't hear gunfire, or she said, well, something's not right, something is, is off, and perhaps it's even more dangerous. The first time she went into one of the villages in a suit, uh, the people there poisoned her tea, trying to kill her, um, and so she passed out, but then later revived and continues going into a suit, into these villages to, uh, to share the gospel. And she says, well, well, Jesus, he keeps encouraging me to go. He says, my family are, are afraid for me, but, uh, but don't be afraid for me. Yes, we're in the fire, but Jesus is with us in the fire. The amazing thing about Nina is, I mean, I don't know when you or I would, um, would stop or feel like this door is closed. You know, when someone poisons our tea, <laughs> trying, to, trying to kill us. Um, I, I don't know when we would, you know, feel like, no, that's, uh, the Lord is, is not calling us back into that place. But she just goes. She just goes. And when she first started going um, into this region, there were four churches. Now there are 70 churches in that region. She is helping to disciple 3,000 Christians. She has 150 drug addicts and rehabilitation houses and then helps other um, addicts as well in various ways. And so Nina is certainly a, a woman who is living in the victory of the Lord, knows what it is to live in God's victory. And I thank the Lord that he has overcome the world and because he has, we too actually overcome the world. Catch this verse here, which is amazing. 1 John 5, 4 and 5, which says this, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so actually, we have already won. We overcame when we believed. When we stepped into the family of God, when we stepped from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and how great we can commemorate that this morning um, with taking communion together. But because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, for the sins of the world, past, present and future, because He then rose victorious on the third day, rose victorious over death, hell, the curse, the grave. We too have the same victory and are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So in fact, we've already overcome the world because we live this life of faith. And so we've won because we believe. They have this uh, saying in Egypt. They say, the blood of the martyrs has irrigated the land, uh, the, the church of our land. They say when one person is killed for the gospel, then many more get added to the church. And that couldn't be more true of the next story I want to share with you. As I walked into Butros Saya Church in Cairo, Egypt, which is a beautiful church, has stood for centuries. Um, as I walked into those doors at the back of the church, I actually walked the path of a suicide bomber. 
a man with um, bombs strapped to him, December the 18th, 2016, uh, walked into the doors of this church. Now, as he walked in, he turned to the, to the right, my right, uh, instead of turning to the left. He started walking towards the, the right-hand side of the church. Now, had he been a, a local member of the church, had he been a part of that church and had been to church before, um, he would have known that he, would have, he should have walked into the doors and turned to the left because that was the men's side of the church. But, but he didn't. He turned to the, the woman's side of the church. And so because of that, one of the leaders of the church um, saw that something was wrong, uh, not quite right about him, so immediately walked up to him. As he walked up to him, he saw what was about to take place, wrapped his arms around the suicide bomber, pulled him to the ground, and then the blast went off, killing the both of them plus 28 others in the church as well. Uh, had this man got to the, the front of the church, he, he would have killed more. But on that particular day, 30 of them lost their lives. As I stood uh, next to the black tile that they had put on the floor to commemorate the blast site, I, I looked around at the, um, the church. I mean, it's beautiful. They repaired uh, most of it. But, uh, but some of the marble pillars, they decided to keep the... Um, the, the scarring of the blast uh, that you could see etched into the, the sides of the marble pillars. Um, look at the concrete around the walls and there was blast holes around there as well. But the man who was speaking to us, uh, he said that the very next day after the blast had taken place and even before they could properly clean up, the church was full of people commemorating those people that the Lord had filled the church. And in fact, he said, since that blast, the church has been consistently more full than before the blast. The man who was speaking with us and sharing that story was the twin brother of the man who had wrapped his arms around the bomber and pulled him to the ground. And so we're talking to his brother and, and the, the team was there and um, asked him questions and prayed with him and and one of the questions we asked was, aren't you afraid uh, to, to keep coming back to this church? And next to him was a, was a friend and they looked at each other and, and smiled and he turned back and he says, we're not afraid. This is what it means to be Christian. We're not afraid. This is what it means to be Christian. And so, you know, if you step into the family of God, you've, you've already uh, counted the cost. You already realise that our faith is a matter of life and death. Um, as I overheard them talking, uh, one of them said, uh, well, actually, I think that the extremists do a better job of church growth than some of our priests. <laughs> but it's an amazing thing. I mean, even um, Pastor James mentioned the, the kind of the upside down nature of the kingdom. You know, when Jesus was crucified, it looked like the end, but in fact, it was his victory. When someone is killed for the gospel, um, it, it looks like the end of their life, but as we know, they pass into eternity. And even Jesus himself says, well, unless a, a grain of wheat falls to the ground, how can more uh, be raised up? And so, yes, the Egyptian church actually continues to grow, continues to build, because you can't stop the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God continues to extend 
and even in some of these darkest places on the earth. As I was looking around um, at the, the blast site, I thought of these word pairs. Um, I thought of blood and stone, um, flesh and explosives, praise and loss. But then I, I thought of another word pair, persecution and growth. Persecution and growth. Um, and I think here uh, in New Zealand and the church here where we are at the moment, um, I don't think that we should be afraid of persecution. We don't know what's going to happen in the future, but uh, the Bible says, Matthew 6, not to worry about tomorrow. That's going to take care of itself. What, Lord, are you calling me to today? And so I feel like no matter what happens ahead of us, what might be ahead of us, as we have confidence in the Lord, whatever is going to happen is going to happen anyway. So therefore, we simply need to be people of the presence, people who know the presence of God and can walk in the presence of the Lord. So what does that mean for us in terms of living the victorious Christian life? Well, again, our, our verse, for everyone born of God, overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So, so how do we kind of walk in that victory? How do we apply that to our lives? Well, well I can tell you how, how we um, lose the victory that Christ has given to us. The world has victory over me when the world's desires draws me away from God. The world has victory over me when it causes me to trust in it rather than trusting in Jesus. The world has victory over me when it absorbs my energies, controls my thinking, and deceives me into trusting in my own strength. But I conquer the world when I'm more in love with Jesus than the things of the world. I conquer the world when I place my trust in Jesus for every situation I face. And I conquer the world when I trust in the Lord's strength rather than in my own strength. 1 Corinthians 15.57 says, But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so again, you know, I ask, well, how do we walk in this victory on a, on a daily basis? And Maybe the, um, a good answer to that or a part of the answer might be in the words of a, of a monk that we visited. We went to a monastery just northwest out of Cairo and we spent time with a monk and he uh, has been there for 28 years. He'd been living that lifestyle in this monastery, 28 years. He wakes up at 4 a.m. every morning. Um, does anyone else do that? Any, wow, okay, come on then. He wakes up at 4 a.m. every morning and prays for five hours a day. He works in the heat of the desert. He fasts for two-thirds of the year. And we asked him as we were having a cup of tea with him in the afternoon, we, we said, um, do you find your lifestyle hard? So the, the, the three things that he commits to is um, uh, poverty by choice, obedience, and a single life. So those, those are the things that he commits to. And we said, well, well, do you find your lifestyle hard? And he says, well, some, 
Some find it hard, but if you've fallen in love with Jesus, then it's easy. Such a uh, profound thing to say because when you're in love, well, then that becomes the focus of your attention. You, you sort of, you don't look too much at the obstacles that are sort of easy to get past because you have this object of your attention and of your, your focus. And so the more we're in love with Jesus, the more we place our love in Him and our attention, our focus in Him, the, the things of the world start to, um, to pale into, um, in fact, that word pale, Reminds me of that saying, I, I walked through the, the Hall of the, the Martyrs and um, a part of the Hall of the Martyrs was the 21 Coptic Christians that were killed in Libya on the beach wearing the orange suits and the um, ISIS behind them with the, the swords. And as I walked through the Hall of the Martyrs, there was about 100 um, photos, faces, and then below each photo was a, was a glass box with some of their articles that they had left behind, uh, watches or um, shirts or, or just different things they had left behind, earthly possessions. And, and there was even a, a wing that was empty uh, of glass boxes for, for those who are to come because they knew that, that those who, who, um, there'll be more martyrs coming. And as I looked at the faces and then I looked at the glass boxes, it seemed quite pale, the glass boxes. And I, I remember the, the song, uh, the line of that old song, and the things of this world will go strangely dim. And walking through there, it felt strangely dim, the things they'd left behind because they were lifeless. But looking up at their photos, I realised that they are in heaven, in the glory of the Lord, in real life, you know, in life itself. And... You know, as we have the object of our heart on Jesus, well, then the things of the world uh, just tend to go strangely dim. So one question we could ask ourselves is, am I more in love with Jesus this year than I was last year? Could be a good question. But then as I was thinking about it and, and had a conversation with uh, someone recently, um, perhaps an even better question would be this. Am I more aware of the love of Jesus for me this year than I was last year? Because that's a place from which we can have a stable life. The more we have a revelation of how much Jesus actually loves us is a place from which we can live a victorious Christian life. And so... I think of the Egyptian church. Um, I think of these other countries that we're going to pray for. There's, uh, in terms of helping these believers and, and supporting them, we can, we can certainly pray. Um, another thing we can do uh, for these ones that um, can speak into our lives is, is we can give as, as well. Um, there's another uh, card on your seat for if you'd like to do that. Uh, some of the work that we do in Egypt includes church planting, discipleship, women's ministries, drug recovery ministries, literacy training, Bible training. And so if you felt stirred this morning to, to give to, to one of those ministries, feel free to do so. I've got to stand um, at the back as well. But we can certainly pray. Uh, I do want to just share one more story before we um, have a look at the prayer cards and, uh, and pray together. 
And probably the place that I sensed the, the presence of the Lord the most while I was in Egypt was in Cave Church. Um, Cave Church is the biggest church, the largest church in the Middle East, seats 20,000 people. And so the cave extends over probably a third of the seating and then the rest is out in the open. And it's amazing because it's the, the largest church in the Middle East, yet it's situated in the middle of what they call garbage city. And so Cairo is divided up into these quarters. You've got the Christian quarter, the, so the Coptic quarter. You've got Old Cairo, New Cairo, Islamic Cairo. And then you have this area called Garbage City. In the 80s, Christians were exiled to that uh, area to sort the trash. And as we drove through the winding, narrow streets, um, you could see the trash just all over the sides of the roads and then into the houses and the people sleep amongst the trash, um, sorting it to, to make a, a living, to make uh, an earning. And so 98% of the people living in that area are Christian. And I just thought it was amazing because as you drive up these narrow winding roads through all this trash, you, you come out into this open, expansive area and it is cave church. And I just think of, of Jesus coming to the earth and there he is born into a, a stable, into a place that is certainly far from royalty. And it's kind of like, well, God has seen it fit to place the largest church in the Middle East uh, in the middle of Garbage City. I think that's just uh, another upside down thing of God. Um, but our guide, who was with us for the 11 days, he was an archaeologist for 20 years. And so he knew about pretty much every block um, in Egypt. He could say a story about every stone. And, um, and he told a bit of the history of um, Mount Mokotam, Mokotam Mountain, which is where uh, Cave uh, Church is situated so back in about 970 AD, King Moaz was having a conversation with a pope, a Christian pope. And King Moaz challenged the pope and said, is your Bible true? Is it real? And the pope said, well, yes, it is. And so King Moaz said this. He says, well, in that case, I want you to move this mountain. And if you don't move this mountain, I'm going to get rid of all the Christians in Egypt. And so the, the Pope left the king's presence uh, totally um, upset, worried for his life, for the life of the, the Christians in, in the nation. And as he went to sleep that night, uh, the Lord spoke to him in a dream and said, find Simon the shoemaker in, in Cairo. And so he, he found this guy Simon and he explained what the king had said to him. And so Simon said, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to get the Christians in Egypt praying. We need them to all fast and pray for three days. And so they sent messages out, um, messengers, uh, as far as they, they could to get all the Christians fasting and praying for these three days. And then at the end of the three days, the Christians gathered in front of the king and gathered in front of the mountain. And as these Christians were singing, Lord, have mercy on us, there was an earthquake and the earthquake made the mountain shake and made it look like the mountain was, was moving. And then as the earthquake continued, a part of the mountain split and the sunlight shone through from the other side. And the king saw that 
and said, okay, your God is real, and the Christians were spared. So that story was actually recorded by a Muslim historian, and that story had been um, passed through the, the, the decades, through the centuries. And then in 1990, the grave of Simon the shoemaker was found, first time they discovered the grave. In fact, Cairo is perpetually under excavation. They, they know that uh, all they have to do is just keep digging and they'll find more and more. And so they found the grave of Simon the shoemaker and in the grave they, they found a box and in the box a, a leather scroll. And as they opened the scroll, they found written on the scroll the exact same account of that story of the earthquake and then the Christians in Egypt being spared. And so by an independent source, another source, that story was verified um, by Simon's uh, testimony. And so the, the Lord is at work. The Lord was at work centuries ago. You know, He's been at work since the beginning of time, and He continues to be at work today. And so, but it's but it really, he, he is at work and he uses us as people through the power of prayer. And so today, um, we've got this opportunity to, to pray, not just as a church family here together, but actually to gather with um, at least, like I said, at least 110 churches around New Zealand who've got these uh, prayer cards as well. Um, and then churches across Australia, the rest of the world as well. And we're going to pray together. So what I thought we'd do is, um, in a moment, I'll, I'll get us all to, to stand and then we'll, we'll pray together. Now, there's eight different cards. And then, so what I thought we'd do after I've prayed and we've prayed together corporately, um, I'll get everybody to hold up their cards and you can find um, other people with the same card as you. There's going to be eight groups eight groups of people, and we can pray together. Just a way to, to get us praying with some other people, and we can kind of have some groups in different areas around here, and the kids can join in as well, and they can help to, to pray for us, uh, pray with us. And so, thank you, Jesus. You know, I've just felt the, the presence of the Lord here just the, the whole time, the whole time we've been in the room. The, the garden is, is still here. So um, why don't you allow the, the Holy Spirit to, to lead us as we pray? The, the Bible says, Ephesians uh, 6, to pray in the Spirit uh, on all occasions with all types of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, always be alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And we are going to be praying for all the Lord's people today. So um, so why don't we stand? Let, let's just engage and stand. It would be amazing uh, to do that together here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just before we pray, why don't we allow ourselves to just to step into the, the throne room of the Lord again. He is here. He is in us. He is with us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Even as we had communion this morning, um, we came to the cross and we thank Jesus that he has cleansed us, washed away 
our sin. The, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. And so because we are righteous, because we are robed in the righteousness of Christ, we can be boldly into the, the throne room of God and present our petitions and our requests. And and we thank the Lord that, that His Word says that if we pray that He hears us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So Lord, thank you that we can stand here this morning, stand in front of you this morning. Hallelujah. And right now we lift up Christians around the world who are in areas that are hostile to the gospel. Lord, those who are standing firm on their faith, even when all the situations uh, around them is trying to pull them away from their faith in you, Lord. And we lift up to you these nations, Lord, that are places of focus right now. And we pray, Lord God, that even today, that your presence and your victory would be over each one of your church families, Lord, over your church, over each believer. Lord, we pray that you'd fill them with your spirit. We pray that they would endure to the end in Jesus' name. Lord, encourage, encourage your sons and daughters today. May they sense the, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. May they sense the, the peace of God, which transcends understanding. And, and may around them, Lord, your kingdom come uh, and your will be done in their area, in their situation, in their place as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So even as we're here in this attitude of prayer right now, um, why don't you allow the Lord to, the Holy Spirit, to drop into your mind a, uh, a face, um, perhaps a name. Uh, maybe it's a, a situation, a, a country, an area. Uh, what is it that the Holy Spirit is leading us to pray into right now? And we'll pray into that. Hallelujah. Lord, for for this person, Lord, for this area, for these people, the ones that you've highlighted to us in our mind in this moment. Lord God, we pray that you would move by your Spirit. Lord, that you would change situations. Lord, that you would dispatch your angels. Holy Spirit, that you would lead and that you would guide. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare victory. We declare life. Heavenly Father, we declare that you would come and fill them with your spirit, may they know and sense that someone is praying for them right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. And I pray that you would lead us. Continue to, to lead us, Lord, in, in prayer and as we, uh, as we walk with you. Hallelujah. So in a moment, I'll get us to, to find uh, people with the, the same card. If, if you're at home, um, if you're watching this online, uh, like I said, there's, there's countries that we're praying for. And you might have a particular country in your heart, um, but we have Egypt, Afghanistan, North Korea, Nigeria, Iraq, India, China, Mexico. These are the ones that churches around the, the nation are praying for today. Hallelujah. And so let's pray for them in Jesus' name.
Take 